Father, we thank you that you own us, that you long to embrace us. And this morning as we look at your word, as we lean into the word of life this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to understand better what it means for us to live each day of our life in the divine holy presence of a living holy God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives today and we want you to come and to draw us closer and nearer to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm building on my message from last week and uh, if you missed it, it's really important that you pick it up because I've laid a foundation for where we're headed. But this morning we're going to be looking at the presence of God in new and a living way. How do you enter into the invisible presence of an invisible God? How do you interact? How do you engage? How do you know that He's there? How do you know what it means to experience and to live in the presence of God? For us to really understand what it means to live in the presence of God in this generation, in this season, this era, or the, the theologically sound word will be this dispensation, is for us to look back so as we can look forward. And when we look back, we need to look back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament where God was present with His people. And in the Old Testament there was a unique way that God was present with His people. Yes, God was present everywhere. But when He chose to live amongst His people, to be amongst His people who was the chosen generation, the chosen people, the nation of Israel. The Bible says that he was in the Old Testament present in a specific person, present in a specific place for a specific time. There was the omnipresence of God where God was present everywhere, but the manifestation of his presence would be with a specific Person where a king, a priest would be anointed to serve and to carry out their role of whatever it was. He would be with them in times of battle. He was with them in, when they were in, in, in the desert, crossing for 40 years before them and behind them. He led them through and his presence was there with them. A pillar of fire by night and a cloud of smoke by day. He was with his people. And then God established with Moses a way that he could be closer and in a more intimate way relating to his people where he gave Moses the pattern for developing what was then the temporary structures for what was to come which would be the temple of is in Israel was the temporary structures of a temple where they could meet together, where they could congregate around and they lived around it. Right in the presence was the temple. 
the tent of meeting, and around it is where the entire nation of Israel lived and existed. So the presence of God was always in the center of everything that they did. That presence was visible by a structure, a tent. God's presence was experienced when the priest would go into the inner, into the holy place, and there were three distinct uh, sections to that tent. There was the outer courts. Everyone say the outer courts. There was the holy place, and there was the most holy place. The outer courts is where most of everyday worship happens, where people would worship, where people would interact, where people would offer sacrifices for sin and all those kind of things. They would bring their offerings, that's what happened in the outer court. And then there was the most holy place. And that's where I want us to focus on this morning, is the most holy place. The most holy place was a unique place within the structure of the temple. And this tabernacle that it was called was built by Moses and later Solomon built the temple as we know it in history. So what were the three areas? It was the outer court, the holy place and the most holy place. And so now what relevance does this have for us in our lives today? I need to paint you a little picture so you understand. Now within the most holy, within the holy place, there were three elements, three pieces of furniture that were very specific. That God has designed and given specific design to the people to make. One was a table of showbread, of showbread, where every day the priest would bring fresh bread or manna that was placed in that most holy place on this table of showbread. Second, there was the lampstand, where a light was burned continuously 24-7. And this light, this, this lampstand was made of gold and, and the specific design was given to them. And so that was another key emblem or a resemblance of what God wanted them to understand by His presence. And the third element that they had or the third piece of furniture that they had uh, have I forgotten it? Was the incense. Where the priest in the day and in the evening would light incense. And so there were three things that were visible to people when they saw the presence of God. Apart from the tent, apart from the outer court, these three things. There was the showbread, or a table of showbread on which was placed a loaf of freshly baked bread. There was the the lampstand, and there was the incense. These three things became visible representations of God's presence. And this is how an invisible God made Himself visible to His people. Now I'm not suggesting that was what God was, but that gave people a connect to the invisible. And beyond the holy place was the inner sanctuary, the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was and the mercy seat was also in that place. We will cover that another time. Now what's the significance of these three things to our life every day? And I want you to listen very carefully because I'm going to give you something really simple 
that can completely transform how you relate to God in your everyday life. The table of showbread is symbolic of God's word. Because God's word is what gives us life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, years later, we see the pattern that was established in the Old Testament is what was made manifest through Jesus Christ and now is made real to us spiritually and will come to that in our everyday life. And so we have God's word, which was Jesus was the living word of God. Now there's one thing that I tell my maid to always have in the home. And it gets the worst reaction, gets the worst out of me when it's not. And that's bread. Fresh bread. There's just something about having fresh bread in the home, isn't there? Our friends of ours in, in, in the UK have a wonderful bread maker. And uh, whenever I stay with them, I love staying there because I wake up every morning at about 4 o'clock to this bread maker, you know, processing the bread and then automatically baking it. And I wake up to the smell of fresh bread and that just brings me down out of my, my very comfortable bed into the cold wintry morning to enjoy that slice of bread. There's something about bread that satisfies, isn't there? I don't know about you, but it does me. I can wake up in the middle of the night and I'm happy to have a cup of coffee and some bread. It just, oh, just those carbohydrates just brings that satisfaction. Now that is in the natural. But for us in the spiritual, God knows how our human bodies work. He knows that we need bread. The bread of life that satisfies the deepest needs of our being. God's word. The second thing is the lampstand, which was significant of Jesus being the light of the world. And it's an emblem or a representation of the Holy Spirit, the oil that kept the light alight 24-7. is a representation of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the Holy Spirit being ever present with us at all times. And what does light do for us? It illuminates things. It, it, where there is darkness, it creates light. Where there is uncertainty, you're able to see for certain where you are going. The word of God is like a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Thank God that technology has understood our need for light. Every one of your phones today. At the flick of a switch or shake of a hand, what can you have? Light. Because we cannot live without light. But here we're not talking about a natural light. But we're talking about the Spirit of God who illuminates the Word of God so as we can understand and comprehend and connect with an invisible God in a way like we have never done before. And so when we connect with God's word, when we read God's word, when we hear God's word, and the Holy Spirit illuminates and enlightens our hearts and our minds, we begin to connect with an invisible God, with His invisible presence in a way that becomes very imminent and real. The third is incense. I love smelling things. I love nice smells. The reason being, 
is that I notice bad smells. <laughs> and uh, I love our home. If ever you've been to our home, there's always some aroma of some kind, depending what the flavor of the month is. But it varies from agarbattis to oils to Arabic uh, oud or whatever. But any smell that I like, that smells good. The only smell that I don't like is vanilla. And there's a context to it. Because I spent 12 years or 14 years of my life working in a bakery. And let me tell you, there wasn't a day that I didn't come out smelling like a vanilla pot. And I took that home and I said, that's the only smell I can't hack is the hack of vanilla. So none of my perfumes ever have any vanilla tinge in them. None of my uh, aromatizers, although some people love vanilla, will ever have vanilla in it. Don't you ever give me a vanilla perfume smelling perfume because I will hand it right now. I will, I, will, I will willingly accept it and graciously do something with it. But the point is this. The point is this. Is there's something attractive about aroma and smell. And God understood that. He was working with the senses of the human nature. The need to satisfy our hunger. The need to bring illumination and bring light in times of darkness. And to create an experience for us where the aroma, the incense, the sweet smelling incense of God reminded us of His presence. Now, in today's world, we don't like incense to try and bring down the presence of God. We, we don't have, as it were, a piece of bread that says, oh, that is the presence of God. Because we are living in a different season. What's the word? Dispensation. With the coming of the Holy Spirit and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, there's something that has changed. Now, what changed when Jesus came? And that's what we're going to look at right now. It's amazing. And I want you to understand this. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again. In the new covenant, I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, this is from Hebrews 10, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed pure with pure water. So this is a picture that we have now of how we enter into God's presence in the New Testament. But the thing that changed everything for us was Jesus' death on the cross. For those of us that remember the Easter story that know it well, Jesus didn't just die on the cross as a martyr, he offered himself up as a sacrifice for our sin. So as we don't have to pay the price for our sin, he paid the price for our sin. We get away scot-free. But there was something else that Jesus did when he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, something happened on earth that impacted our lives eternally. There was always a thick one-foot curtain that separated, the thickness of the curtain was almost a foot, that separated 
the people from the presence of God. And only the priest, the high priest, could go in there once a year to offer sacrifice. And it says in, in the story of the Easter story when Jesus was crucified on the cross and when he offered himself up, in other words, he was dead, the curtain was torn in two. There was a thundering and the veil that separated people from the holy presence of God, that separated unholy people from the holy presence of God was stripped in two. And that was the final time where God said, no longer do people have to come to me through a high priest. Because the high priest of all high priests has offered himself as a living sacrifice and has made a new and living way for us to begin to relate to an invisible God in His invisible presence. Amen? Isn't that amazing? And I want you to understand that when that temple and the, the veil was torn in two, that was a turning point for us as New Testament believers. It meant the presence of God was no longer a distant thing. The presence of God was not something that was unique and specific <laughs> only for one or two people. Now the presence of God was completely personal and one-on-one -on -one with each person that entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how does God dwell within you today? He dwells within you today by His Holy Spirit. We know after the death of Jesus Christ, His resurrection, we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a new dispensation. No longer is God specifically working in and through one person or a group of people, but His Spirit is available for everyone. Whoever believes in Him, who accepts Him and invites Him into their lives and asks for the Holy Spirit to dwell within them, can have the divine presence of God living in this frail human body. What a transformation. What a different dispensation and time we live in. Amen? But how does that become real to us? Yes, God dwells within us. But how do I experience this invisible God, His invisible presence? How do I experience it in everyday life? Those three elements that were there in the Old Testament, in the holy place, are the same three elements that we have today. We have the eternal Word of God. Thank God we can see it, it is written. We have his presence, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, the lampstand. And through our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we are able to offer to God intercession, praise and prayer and worship, which is like our sweet-smelling incense to God. I want you to understand, when you worship in whatever way you do, and today, this morning, we worship in so many different ways. You worship by coming here. You set yourself apart from your daily schedule and said this time is going to be for my God with God's people. That was an act of worship. When we sang songs and we worshipped with music, that was an act of worship. When we prayed, that was an act of worship. Right? When we brought our offering, that was an act of worship. There's so many different ways that we experience worship. And we experience God's presence in our life. 
And also the, the, the incense now becomes our ability to pray and to connect with God through prayer and intercession. And so for us to make the presence of God, the invisible presence of God, tangible, real, personal, and experiential, where it's not just theory, but real. These three elements must be real in our lives. What are they? God's Word. The Holy Spirit. And worship. But Hebrews paints this beautiful picture. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter the most holy place. Where there was fear to enter it, no longer is there any fear because Jesus has made a new and living way. What does this verse say? By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. You and I, wherever we are, whatever you're doing, you have access to the presence of God. Amen? It is not because you do some mantra, jantra, fantra that you enter in. It is simply by faith. Faith that God has forgiven you of your sin. Knowing that by His grace you are redeemed and accepted. By His mercy He has brought you in to the family of God. And with confidence you can live and enter into the presence of God every day of your life. So what should my attitude be to enter in and experience this presence of God every day? One confidence. Not a confidence of my own. Look how wonderful I am. See how great I am. No. It's about acknowledging my desperation and need for God. And knowing that when I am made right before God, that I have the confidence to step into the presence of God. Secondly, I approach God with grace and reverence and mercy. I acknowledge that He is a holy God and that I can come into His presence. Because not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Isn't that amazing? And lastly, with an attitude of thanksgiving. God, I thank you that you saved me. God, I thank you that you rescued my life. I thank you that you've given me life eternal. Now all these things are intangibles, are they not? They are all invisible things, are they not? But they are all spiritual things. Because the Bible says, the natural man is unable to discern the things of the spirit. But the spiritual man is able to discern the things of the Spirit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for those that love Him. And I want you to know that your everyday life with God is not about the tangible. Entering into God's presence is about the intangible, but the ever-present presence of God. Do you understand that? Amen. God's word. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our worship and intercession. That is part of our everyday life. Do you know what's great about our faith? Is we can worship anywhere. Anytime. However we like. Isn't that amazing? You can worship in the shower. In your birthday suit. You can worship half asleep on bed. On your bed. 
falling off to sleep. You can worship in an aeroplane. You can worship in an auto rickshaw. You can worship anywhere. Because the presence of God is with us. Amen. But there is a dynamic that the Bible says, don't forsake coming together. Because there is a different experience, and we're going to discover that next week, of the coming together of the saints of God and how we experience a different experience of God's presence when we come together. Which is why we come together in different ways. And we're going to look at the different ways that we come together to experience God's presence in our lives. Amen? You learned something today? Yes. Amen? You're going to live your life in the presence of God. An invisible God. His invisible presence is experienced in our lives every day. Because we are spiritual people. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word that brings light and life into our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word that transforms our lives. I pray today, Lord, as we live our lives today in this coming week. The start of this week. We have set this time aside for you to worship you, to hear from your word, to fellowship with our believers, and also to share in communion. Lord, today as we come to the communion table, let us keep in mind the picture of the veil that was torn in two. And how as we partake of this bread and wine, remember that you have been forgiven of all your sins. Remember that His presence is with you. And as you partake of the elements of communion, know that a holy God has chosen to dwell within you, to make His home with you, for His presence to embrace you, to be with you through your life every day. What a privilege it is, Lord, that a holy God would choose to live amongst us and within us. We thank you, Father, for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray.